0: gonna rock the shade, gonna scream my name make you shout now honey gonna make you
1: shout. whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them making a org is the place for you for the music fan We bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate, the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
0: Now, honey, gonna make you shot. Make you, shot. Make you
1: shot. And now, here's a double shot from our featured artist today, the Rifters. And stay tuned for that interview. it comes up right after these songs. Trace Pace didn't know no better Figured
2: he was just as good As any other critter He'd be up in the truck At the break of day To check the herd To bail the hay Cause there was work to do Rabbits to chase Yeah, it's a big job When you own the place His tongue would flap And his tail would fly It was pedal to the metal Do or die Trace Pace didn't pay no mind Fair on if it was kind His powers were dealt He played his cards When he laid them down There was nothing but hearts The coyotes would chase couldn't flee, he'd sit down and face him and they let him be, cause they could see his heart. Deep inside, they weren't scared of nothing, that would never hide. He and his partner, Pioho, would run, chasing the pheasants in the evening sun. Pioho would climb up the big stacks, Trace would bark until he came back. Trace the ace didn't pay no mind, if it was fair or if it was kind. His paws were dealt, he played his cards, when he laid them down, there was nothing but heart. Yeah, life's gonna shoot some arrows and throw some stones your way. Trace BAs just went for the marrow in the bones of every day. Trace B. didn't pay no mind if it was fair or if it was kind. His paws were dealt, he played his cards. When he laid them down, there was nothing but hearts. Yeah, Trace B. didn't pay no mind if it was fair or if it was kind. He just played the paws that he had three, four times. Through the good and bad. Swagging his way with everything he
3: had At the foot of the mountain, waters run down In the streams and the ditches that flow through the town time was unknown the mountain is their home at the foot of the mountain they still work the land and they live in their houses of mud and sand Give thanks to the spirit water At the foot of the mountain, they rise in the morn, they gather the apples and harvest the corn. Unbound, scatter my ashes, river to roll where the mountain is mine. dreams and the pitches that flow through the town, for the people who live lived there since time was unknown. for the mountain is their home. Scatter my ashes, river to roam, for the mountain is my home.
1: And that was the Rifters from their brand new release, and we got Don Richmond on the line right now. Hey, Don, how you doing?
4: Oh, I'm doing just great. man. How about you? I'm doing. Pretty, How's everything?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm, you know, I woke up vertical this morning, so that's always a good start to my day. You know. Yep, uh,
4: I know the feeling. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now. Uh, This is the first time you've been on our show, and we always start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are as an artist and as a person. And uh, so give us the story of the Rifters and, of course, of Don Richmond.
4: Okay, well... uh the rifters have been together for about 20 years and we're based uh really in i live in southern colorado but the band has always been kind of based in northern new mexico uh taos and santa fe specifically there's always been a pretty vibrant music scene around there and uh so that's where we kind of got together and uh, we branch out from there in lots of different directions but uh, uh uh, there, there's always been this kind of uh, acoustic bass uh, and very dance-oriented sort of, I don't know, I call it southwestern Americana music scene around northern New Mexico. And so we kind of uh, formed in that. Before the Rifters formed, uh, the bass player and I and Jim Bradley were in a band called Hired Hands uh, uh, for a number of years and uh, released a few Few CDs and that, and then Rod Taylor, the other member of the Rifters, was in uh, uh, a band called Rod Taylor and the Rounders, and the, both those bands kind of disintegrated at the same time, and so uh, we all know each other, and uh, we got together and and uh, and formed the Rifters, and uh, uh, and it, it's it's been a, it's been a fun band and and, and, a, and a good journey. As far as myself, I, I grew up grew up here pretty much in, in a uh, little town called Alamosa. My parents were both former opera singers and my dad moved here when I was like seven years old to teach at the college here, uh, as a vocal professor. And, uh, so I grew up in, in a extremely musical family and, uh, have an older brother that became professional musician as well. So it was just sort of, uh, you know, there as laid out as a, as a uh, possible career path. Although my parents did not encourage us to be musicians. I think they, (laughs) they knew too much about it from, they were both touring musicians in the thirties. Uh, so, uh, but they also didn't discourage us. So, uh, you know, it was always kind of there and it seemed like a natural thing. And, and, you know, I figured, well, I'll do this until I feel like doing something else. And that still hasn't happened. So, Uh, here we are
1: okay well let's talk about the release um if you were uh you know at a gig and you wanted to tell someone about this release and get them excited about listening to it what would you tell them
4: well i think the rifters uh uh, really our music really reflects where we come from and that's certainly a goal of ours anyway it's it's uh, kind of based in the landscapes around us and in uh, the, the the people, the characters, the lifestyles that we see around us. This uh, this release is uh, has a thread of uh, kind of the ranching life running through it. Uh, we're not a really overtly Western-oriented band as far as you know, just singing about cowboys and stuff. But still, there's a Western thread. Through this, but I, I think I think that it encapsulates uh, uh, you know the kind of this this the wide open uh, the grandeur of uh, of this landscape that we that we call home this kind of high southwest landscape and uh, uh, and I, people people seem to you know they find it moving and uh, I know a lot of people. Um, uh, enjoy uh kind of that the beauty of that landscape being reflected in the music and uh and also the 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 stories of the characters that inhabit the landscape you know the ranchers and and uh, uh and whoever else that we might decide to sing about you know
1: okay now um as a songwriter you know every songwriter has their way of kind of tapping into their muse Uh, When you sit down to begin the process of writing, what is your mechanism that allows you to kind of get things flowing, get the juices going?
4: Well, to me, it's kind of a two-step sort of thing. Um, I mean, I feel like I go through my days with uh, two butterfly nets in my hands. You know, I'm, I'm just waiting to snag something that's floating by. You know whether that's something a conversation or, uh, uh, or just an idea that 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 pops up or or whatever that seems to come from that uh, that kind of ha- halfway in between consciousness and unconsciousness state that, that sort a kind of a daydreaming state or whatever that. Uh, or you know just a phrase that somebody says or or that you uh, you know you hear on on t- on tv or or wherever and suddenly there's this there's this like this little bell that goes off in my head that's like bing that's a song and and when that happens there's usually a feeling attached to it and really kind of this instantaneous download of a whole bunch of information that, that you know how that song should feel, you know, you know, it, but it's very nebulous. You know, it's, it's not like it's all laid out, although occasionally that happens. But for me, it's like, okay, I need to stop whatever I'm doing, pull over if I'm in a car or something like that, and, and write down as much as I can about it, even if it's just the, if it's just the phrase. At least it's something. And then the second stage of all of that is, is you know, to actually sort of strap on your tool belt and sit down at a table with a pen and paper or whatever tool you like to use, and and try to craft those things, craft something out of those uh, initial fragments that flew by, you know, and that that's that's. Uh, that's where the work comes in you know i mean it's fun it's fun catching the little fragments of of inspiration and uh uh, but but you know it's work when you got to sit down and and turn them into something occasionally you'll get a whole you get a whole song you know uh or or a a good chunk of a song verse and chorus or something like that or more and uh, that's always a, a a gift, you know. And I've I've read a lot of song, a lot about songwriting, and I've taught a, a lot of songwriting uh, workshops. Uh, I teach one every, teach about three a year with my friends uh, Eliza Gilkison and John Gorka. and we, of course we talk about songs, songwriting endlessly, and. You know, pretty much nobody knows where they come from. You know, they just, they come in and, and you just try to get what you can. And then you have to sit down and uh, really make it happen.
1: Okay. Now, you know, uh, a lot of songwriters have embraced some of the technology today and, and tools, whether it's a cell phone or a home recording studio to kind of lay out structure. Uh, what are some of the tools you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer?
4: Well, I certainly use the phone a lot because I always have it with me. Uh, you know I use um, like Evernote a lot uh, as far as just jotting down those fragments. And of course, the the voice recorder is uh, is such a great tool. I mean, if the fragment happens to be musical and not lyrical, I'm one of those people that usually it's usually sparked by lyrics for me, so it's often you know I'm writing text. But, uh, uh, but that voice recorder is is just amazing, and and you know, it, it it's so easy. I mean, I I own a recording studio. That's one man, kind of my other job, it, uh, and and uh, it's it, you know there's there's a lot of nice gear in here, a lot of nice microphones, but I'll pull out the phone and do it just it, because. By the time you mess around with setting something up, that idea is gone. I mean, and and that first time, you know, that first time you sit down and you got, oh, I think you got, you think, oh, I think I got a verse here. Let me sit down and see if I can sing, sing, and find a few chords to it. You better record the first time, you know, because because you'll do something you like, and then you'll and then you'll think. Oh, what was that? What did I? What did I do? And and and, he, and you won't you won't be able to get back there. I mean, it's such a valuable tool to just grab that moment and and that instantaneous aspect of of inspiration is is uh, really something to be aware of. You know, it's like as soon as you start thinking about how a song might go. Well, you better you better be ready to 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 grab it because it's like it, something will pop in, you know, and uh, and if you don't find a way to to uh, get a hold of it, it will be gone. It's just like trying to remember a dream or something that you f- sort of forgot that you forgot when you woke up in the morning, and uh, it, it's such a an interesting dance, you know, I, I, love that aspect of it, but, uh, I mean, I, I, do like writing stuff out too on, on, you know, legal pad or something like that. I, I will often, I'll often take the fragments from my phone and write them out on a legal pad and, and start working on them there. It just feels good, you know, it, uh, it's so tactile and it's so, uh, you can see the whole thing you can see the whole page and you can fill up page and page after page of rambling notes if you want or whatever. Uh, so I like the phone as a capture thing. Uh, but as far as the process of writing, I like, I like tablets. Uh, uh and, uh, but boy, grab it, write it down.
1: Right. <laughs> now, you know, One of the big buzzwords right now in the music industry is AI, artificial intelligence. And this is nothing new for the industry, but a lot of songwriters have discovered some of these artificial intelligent tools that help them write songs. In fact, Ed Sheeran revealed on a radio show in Sweden that he actually utilized some of these AI tools to kind of fight the blank page uh, and get inspirational ideas almost like collaborating um kind of in a way uh and use them more as a tool than a crutch what do you think of this new technology and how is it going to affect songwriting in the future
4: yeah boy it's a huge topic and and it's really easy to to uh you know get up on your high horse or whatever and say oh i'm never going to Never going to mess with that. I mean, just like when vocal tuning, uh, there are you know, the tools in the studio that came. Uh, you know, in the recording studio these days, you have access to so many incredible tools uh, that nobody could have dreamed of. Uh, you know, I mean, I made my first LP recording in 1978. You know, and it's like you couldn't dream of the stuff that. Everybody has now. Uh, so it's, it's like, it's easy to say, oh, I'll never I'll never do that. That's cheating. You know, whether it's vocal tuning or comping or taking 50 takes of your guitar solo or whatever, you know. And I, I see it in, the, in those terms and, and my reaction to it is like, no, God save us all from it. You know, I'm not going to go there. But, uh, that i could see how it could be a useful tool but it, it it's funny uh john gorka sent uh eliza and and me a sample of he he had asked the chat whatever gpt or whatever it is uh to write a song in the in the style of each each one of us and he sent he sent it to us and it's really it's really eerie it's kind of odd uh, it's not very good which which was uh, but but it's sort of almost if you weren't paying attention if you weren't really paying attention to the lyrics it sounds like a song you know it, it, it doesn't go it doesn't go deep but you know for me songwriting is an expression of of my my life my outlook my humanity my connection to life and so that's where I wanted to come from I wanted to come from inside not from outside I mean I think if you were if you were approaching it from from a more commercial standpoint and you say okay well let's write a song about uh, let's write a song about a wild horse uh, what are we going to say and then you could just, you know, dial up chat GPT and say hey what do you got for a wild horse and you know i could see that but uh but then you gotta you know it, it's gotta be it's gotta be human it's gotta be art i i can't think that it will ever totally replace that so i don't know i look at it with some trepidation but uh you know it's like never say never
1: well i have a feeling you and i are roughly in the same era uh i've been a recording engineer since 1980 um, I remember when drum machines came in and how everyone screamed bloody murder, you know, that drum machines were, you know, cheating because you needed real drummers with real feel, you know, that human Uh-oh. feel, you know, and then I remember synthesizers when they came in and then all of a sudden MIDI, oh, you can't record MIDI, you're taking away jobs from all these orchestras and, and you know the, <laughs> yep. you know, Broadway will never be the same again. Uh, you right. know, and, and so on and so forth. Even, you know, something as mundane as the, um, you know, the, the cassette recorder or making mixtapes or, you know, CD burners or whatever the case may be, you know, the industry has been screaming about technology since the very beginning. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. You know, it just keeps marching on and it becomes a tool. We still, you know, the cream still rises to the top and it still has to be something that touches the human spirit in order for absolutely and you know where the inspiration comes from is not as important as where does it end where does it go you know what i mean
4: yeah yeah the power of songs is so mysterious how can a song do what it does you know uh, the, the great songs. Because when you tear them apart, well, it's just, you know, it's just a few words and a few chords and a little melody. And, and yet, it's this thing that, uh, you know, that transforms people's lives or whatever, you know, uh, great songs. They're just... And it's like that... You're not going to get there uh uh, yeah. nobody knows how nobody knows, <laughs> knows how you get there like leonard cohen said if he knew where the great songs came from he'd go there more often <laughs> but uh you know i, I don't think ai is going to get there either you know it's like that's it's just a, that's the mountaintop that we all strive for but uh uh yeah i i love the mystery of it and uh and yeah, talking about the tools, I mean, like I said, the tools that are available in modern recording studio are just unbelievable, or even in a laptop, you know, or even in your phone, good Lord, uh, you know, compared to <laughs> compared to the so-called good old days, it, it, it's amazing. And, you know, the, the AI is in its, uh, the scary thing is that it's in its Model T phase, you know, this is, it's it, it, it's, it's barely getting started, you know. Lord knows where it's going to be in 20 years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who knows where it's going to be. Now, uh, of course, one of the things I think that really trips up a lot of young songwriters is um, when to put that pen down. You know, songs yeah. sometimes are not just written, they're rewritten. you got to massage the song and, and really work it to get it to where you want it to be. But there is a... A point that you need to stop because you can write the the hell out of a song to the point that it it really does more harm than good so yes every songwriter has that quantifier that little thing in their head that switches and says okay I'm done in this phase it's ready to move it into production of course Songs are like children. They continue to develop and grow. You know, in the studio, they, they change and develop. And even after we record it and we get it to take it on the road, it still evolves from that point on. So Absolutely. what is your quantifier? What do you use to kind of determine that moment where the song needs to move from that writing phase into the production phase and give it to the band and the producer and and do, you know, the, the magic in the studio?
4: Well, I remember a phrase that uh, uh, a songwriter friend of mine, that uh, he's passed away now, but he lives in Taos. His name was Mentor Williams. And he wrote uh, many famous songs. One particular is uh, uh, Drift Away. Give me the beat, boy. Free my soul. I want to get that one. Uh, anyway, he 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 called them speed bumps. He said you got to get rid of the speed bumps. You know, it's like you're going along in a song, and everything is cool, and then and then that, you know, that that third line or whatever, or that second line in the second verse, where it just kind of goes clunk, Uh and or Eliza uh Gilkison describes it as being thrown off you know it's like uh we do these workshops like i said and 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 have students bring us songs that are sort of in process and and going through the song and, and it's like okay it's working it's working it's working it's working it's working and then boom it's not working uh, i got thrown off uh, i had to or, or like she says, I had to I had to think. I had to start thinking about it. I couldn't just follow along. So part of it, I think, is making sure that you've gotten rid of those places. And then, but that's sort of uh, the negative of getting rid of the negative. Uh, but as far as the positive, it's like, you know, when I was talking about snagging, those things floating by in the breeze that have the feeling attached, and it's like, the feeling still there. Did did uh, did you lose it? Did, uh, did you did you lose it in the minutia of of you know all the choices of words and and things like that? And it's like keep to, to keep going back to that feeling, and and make sure that that it's doing what it that the song is doing the feeling justice. That it's doing what you want it to do and that it you know that it rises and falls at the right point and that there's like that sense of payoff that sense of completion and on all of that and so there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of ways to look at it but i totally agree like what you said you can write it to death you know and particularly when you're getting started and i think particularly with uh, with beginning writers or writers that are are haven't written a whole lot uh, is you can edit it out of existence before it exists you know before you have anything down you've already said, oh, that's stupid I don't want uh, yeah no, that's not working and pretty soon your idea is to, out the out the window you know you don't have anything so I do think there's a good process of spewing let it let it rip, write down a bunch of stuff. And then and then refine uh, don't let the editor in too soon but you do have to let the editor in you do have to polish it I, th- I think uh, because so many songs I've heard in like in workshops where it's like well there's a really cool a cool kernel to this but but it needed that polishing it needed it needed to be it needed to uh, you know be re- restructured in some way or something like that so it so that it does what a song does anyway. Okay. Could ramble on forever.
1: <laughs> well, it is a deep subject, that's for sure. Now, it is, it is. Let's talk about going into the studio, because that's another art form in itself. Um, yeah. Every artist has their way of working in that environment to capture the sound that identifies them as an artist, but also uh, gives the song its identity, its vibe. Uh when you get in that environment of the studio, what is your working process that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for?
4: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of ways to go about it, for sure. As as you know, everybody knows that that's done it, and a lot of times you'll you'll do one you'll do a song one song one way, and you'll do another song another way. I'm a big fan of, of of capturing some live energy, if possible, with multiple multiple players. Uh, when I was designing the studio that I that I have, I, I wanted it so uh, I could have. Uh, people isolated but but still in visual contact and and be able to record, you know, a whole ensemble at once and yet have good isolation in between the tracks so that we could fix anything or whatever, re-record anything. Uh, but technology and recording process as it is, you're probably not going to keep a bunch of that. Uh, you might you want that you probably want that vocal in there to track to but you're probably going to want to want to, want to re-sing it and so uh, a lot of times it's it becomes this thing where you, you 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 try to do a live take of a song that has a good feel and then you end up replacing almost all of it <laughs> you know or or maybe all of it but yet there's still a a a template the template and feel so that, in, and you're replacing one thing at a time in in that template, uh, and to try to hang on to that feel. I mean, I I love it to just sit down and play the dang song, you know, and be and be live. And, and we have done done some that way, uh, but it's really hard to resist that. Oh, if we if we have the vocals isolated, we can re sing it. Uh, we can tune it if we have to, and, uh, and 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 you just can't do that when when everything is all kind of mixed together, uh, you know, like the acoustic guitar and the vocal if they're done at the same time, you know, that's an issue. So it's always that dance between uh, trying to be faithful to the music and the feel, and yet also trying to take advantage of the studio and the tools. And techniques that it offers, so uh, you know it's 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 walking that walking that line, and it's it's different when I do lots of projects for other people, and it's totally different from one project to another. But I do love that core of uh, real people in real time playing together. You know, if if you can make that work. Yeah. I- but once again, I've I've done I've done many many projects one track at a time so and you can make that work too you know
1: yeah i've always been a proponent of you know getting the rhythm section if if nothing else in the studio right. to capture that moment you know that that foundation to build everything on you know
4: yeah me too absolutely i love that now, so it's uh, a, that's a doable thing
1: yeah now tell me a little bit about the lineup on who's playing on it
4: well, the, the the basic band is just a trio, and it's uh, myself, uh, I switch off on a lot of different instruments, uh, guitar, mandolin, banjo, fiddle, uh, pedal steel, uh, I don't know, accordion even uh, uh, on occasion, uh, you know. And then uh, Rod Taylor is another one of the main vocalists, he and I do most of the lead vocals. Uh Rod's been a working cowboy for forty some years and so he's got the he, he, he's got the authentic expression of the of that kind of that part of the world. But uh, wonderful voice. It plays uh, acoustic guitar and, and mandolin. Uh and then Jim Bradley is our bassist and uh got a beautiful high high uh, high tenor that uh takes most of the uh most of the high harmonies and uh and uh doing doing more lead vocals too he's got a, he's got a lovely voice and uh so that's the core of it and we and we do feature the harmonies we 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 love to sing and we love that that whole band harmony thing and then we have uh a number of guests uh, on there uh I always would love to have more but uh an old friend of ours paul Piercy who's a one of the Austin, the first call Austin drummer for many years although he's, he moved to Santa Fe a few years ago and has since moved to Denver but he plays on, uh, I don't know maybe four songs or something like that uh, and then an old friend of ours named Michael Hearn who uh, is living down, mostly down in Texas but lived for many years in and uh, Red River, New Mexico and has a music festival that he sponsors there and a uh, great band also called South by Southwest but He's always been a friend and uh kind of a trailblazer in the sort of music that we play. He he plays some uh acoustic guitar and uh, uh on about three songs. And uh my older brother, uh that I mentioned earlier, Jim Richmond, Dim- Diamond Jim was what everybody used to, used to call him and uh, still do. Uh he's another multi instrumentalist. He plays uh Uh, pedal steel and fiddle on a couple of tunes on there and then her friend eliza gilkison um sings on a song we were honored to uh be part of her uh album that she put out last year uh, called songs from the river wind where we sang a bunch of harmonies and i i played and recorded it and produced it basically uh and she uh uh, we sang on her. So she, she sang on ours, etc. And well, there's a, a jazz, uh, clarinet guy from Boulder that we got to play on one song to Dexter Payne, who just puts this delightful clarinet down that sounds so good. And there's probably somebody I'm leaving out, but, um, oh, oh uh, Jimmy Stadler. He's another Taoist musician, just a phenomenal player, phenomenal keyboardist, but also a great guitarist. And, uh, and uh well Madeline. but he played uh played piano on a couple of songs so
1: okay
4: i think that covers most of it
1: now of course you know you've got to get it out once you get it recorded and you're working with adam dawson from broken jukebox media uh tell me a little bit about that relationship
4: well it's been a, it's been a real treat and a real pleasure uh because uh, you know we've always uh, we're a band that w- we play a lot, we work a lot. We know if we oh, we put out CD, we'll, we'll sell them, you know, we'll sell a few thousand at, at at gigs and stuff. But this is the first time that we've really uh, engaged a, a uh, you know, a real publicist and a real promoter, uh, radio and, and print and everything else. Uh, and a, f- a friend of ours recommended Adam, uh, uh uh Austin singer songwriter named Jenna Pocop had, had had uh worked with Adam and uh, was just getting some great exposure and uh he did a great job for her and and so we thought well yeah okay let's 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 do it let's give it a go and and he's been wonderful you know he's just a good guy that you can talk to and get answers from and uh it's 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 a great it's a great partnership. It's just to feel like you're just not alone, uh, you know, <laughs> wandering through the desert waving your CD in the air, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, believe me, I know that. I know that uh, <laughs> that exercise. Now, uh, you and I have been in the. You know, we've seen the industry change over the last. You know, I'm not even going to mention how many years. Yeah, you know, Like I said, I'm an old guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, the reality is now that, you know, the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. There's nothing we're going to do about it. Uh, you know, technology marches on, and we have to march along with it. Uh, as much as yep. we may want to bitch, moan, and complain about it, it's not going to change it. Uh, it's too easy for them. It's, it's a very convenient way of, of listening to music. Uh, In that, you know, for 10 to 15 bucks, you know, a month, you have access to pretty much everything that's been recorded in the last hundred years. You know, so consumers are listening more and or consuming more and paying less. So it's a no brainer for them. The problem is, is that recorded music has lost its status as product. It's no longer something to purchase. They don't want to store it on their phone. They don't want to store it on the shelf. Um, you know, CDs are, you know, as much as we may want not want to admit it, it is on the way out. Uh, you can't get a CD player yep. in your car. You can't go to Best Buy and buy a CD player from their CD section because it doesn't exist anymore. So once that hardware <laughs> is gone, the software is not too far behind. So there is this shift. In perception of recorded music from the product stage to the service stage where music is now a service as opposed to product how has this shift affected you not only as an artist but as an owner of your own label what what is this done for you
4: well yeah I mean it's like uh it feels like the rug being pulled out from under you, you know, uh, and and pretty much, uh, you know, I have lots and lots of friends in in uh, who are active touring musicians and everything else, and 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 selling that selling that merch, selling the CDs has has always been a very important part of their income, and thankfully i mean it is on the way out as you say but thankfully a lot of uh, our fans are a similar demographic in the sense that they still like cd's and they still still buy them and i i do too i i also i subscribe to the streaming services but i like to buy a cd and i like to sit there and read read the uh, read the liner notes if if they put some in and and we we try to make CDs that are worth buying in the sense that there's a lyric booklet and, uh, uh, you know, some nice pictures and things like that. There's stuff you can look at while you listen to it. And so that's to try to make it at least a little bit attractive. But yeah, anybody, particularly anybody under the age of, I don't know, 40 maybe or something like that, uh, uh, probably 50, but they're going to say, why would I buy a CD? I don't have anything to play it on, you know? uh and and it's it's difficult it's difficult to see the ability of people to make a living start uh, to 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 degrade to 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 vanish to go away and it, and it's even worse for the songwriters uh you know like a friend of mine in Nashville Chuck Cannon you know he had he wrote a song i think it was Toby Keith's uh American soldier or something like that. he like millions and millions, 10 million streams or more. And he got a check for $364 or something like that, you know, as a songwriter. And it's like, uh, you know, these these people got to live. Uh, and, and if they're not able to live, then th- that niche, that person, that person writing great songs is not going to be there they're going to be doing something else, uh, because they can't make a living doing that anymore. And of course, everybody, just about everybody doing music does it because they love it, but they also have to make a living at it. And, and so it is, uh, it is a real challenge. You know, uh, there are people making significant and good money from streaming. Uh, it's just, Nobody I know and <laughs> right. nobody in the lower echelons of the music of the music world uh uh the, the more roots oriented stuff you know it's like well, yeah you might get a little check uh and you might be able to go out to McDonald's you know and buy a burger with that check or something like that, but it's not going to pay your rent uh so it it is a it, it's a, it's a puzzle. And what you say about the the change from uh, you know buying a a product to buying a service—that's uh, really right on, and that, that that's a great sort of frame to put around it to to, to kind of grapple with it. But uh, I don't I don't have an I don't have an answer for for it. That's for sure, you know.
1: Okay, well that's fair enough. Now you know. Uh one of the things that, that I've been watching is, is well, I mean, let's, let's face it, like you had mentioned, and, and, you know, um, the revenue from streaming is not sustainable. We can't continue to, to go in this direction without compensating the content creators uh, for their work. Uh, the owner of Spotify makes more money than the top 10 artists on his platform. And that's a really uh, disparaging kind of uh, statistic. Um, There is no reason for that. Um, And there is some technology coming down the pike that promises to change that dynamic. Um, One of those technologies is the uh, new streaming services that are now being um, created utilizing the blockchain technology that cryptocurrency brought us um that that helps cryptocurrency not only be secure but also decentralized you know that was their big promise to decentralize the uh, monetary system of the world uh and mm-hmm. even though that's still up in the air as to whether that's a reality or not the fact that they are developing the uh, these new streaming platforms like audius emanate uh audio locks Um, that they're looking to decentralize the streaming services themselves. In other words, no company can own them. They are owned by Mm -hmm. the users and by the artists that are creating the content for these platforms. And it only takes about 20% to run the platform. The other 80% they're claiming will go directly back to the content creators themselves. Uh, in addition, uh, to the fact that you're getting 80% of your incoming revenue and that you are, uh, uh, decentralized, um, you also are in control of your content because you don't need aggregators. You don't need middlemen. Uh, you know, every time a songwriter writes a song, there is a line of people that are standing there with their hand out to take a little piece of that pie. Uh, right. this eliminates that, uh, that whole structure. What do you think of that as a potential for the future?
4: Well, I think it's a, that sounds like it has tremendous potential. Um, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, like you said, streaming is not going to go away. We need to figure out ways to make it sustainable, workable, survivable whatever however you want to term it make it so people can actually make a living doing uh, pursuing their art uh, doing their music writing those songs uh, those great rare songs uh, and you know I don't I mean I, I know what blockchain means as far as the definition goes but I uh, and I I i see how that can work you know i, I mean in the sense that uh yeah it, it's um, it, it's not uh, it's not hierarchical in a way it's not uh, it's not going to be governed by that gatekeeper or whatever and i think that's exciting um you know part of it is also i mean just a matter of the consumers uh uh, sp- supply and demand are people going to be willing to pay enough for stream uh, or whatever so that uh, uh, so that people can make a living uh, from it and and I think you know a, a big way to improve even even what's already there would be if if the streams if the money was tracked from actual streams instead of some from percentages, uh, uh, you know it, because somebody goes and list, listens to the Rifter's album you know a thousand times well that just becomes a percentage that doesn't mean we get we get x number of uh, you know portions of a cent per stream from those streams it just becomes a percentage that is then paid out theoretically but i think it would be much more fair to track it and and i don't and i think it's with computers these days that's totally doable but I'm excited to see those changes. I, I don't know enough about them and about those services to to really uh, speak intelligently about them. But uh, that, that it, something's got to give. Uh, something's they gotta they gotta find a way to make it more more workable. I think.
1: And I definitely agree. And that brings me to this other technology that I've been really keeping an eye on lately. Um, and as a, as a owner of a label, this might really interest you as well. Um, there is this site called Royal.io. And what they allow you to do is they allow you to create these non-fungible tokens, these NFTs that represent a small portion of either your streaming royalties, your publishing royalties, um, and, of course, you know, if you sign a record deal, the first thing they're going to want is they're going to want your publishing. They're going to they're gonna want, you know, a part of your streaming. You know, they, you know you're know, you going to, you know, let's face it, a record contract, and you know as well as anyone, is basically a bad loan with bad terms, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> and
1: so, you know, giving that kind of stuff up is is kind of standard in the industry. Well, why give it up? If you can sell it to your fan base and make them your record company as a as a fan group. And uh, one of the artists that did this was Nas, the uh, rapper, and he took two of his songs. He made enough of these NFTs to cover one half of the streaming royalty on these two songs and sold it to his fan base. And he was able to generate almost six hundred thousand dollars in upfront income. On top of that, all right, he now has almost 3,000 fans that have an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed. So now he's got (laughs) this huge streak team that's working in his favor. On top of that, now if you think about it, these are being traded on an open market. So once you buy the NFT, if you, let's say, recouped your investment and you decide... You know, the song is getting popular. I can make some money by selling it to a third party again. The the original Nas, you know, who owns, you know, that song, he gets a commission off of every time they're resold in perpetuity wow. forever. So it is a constant revenue generator, you know, as, as these things are bought and sold. You know, it's like buying stock in a song. You know, if if mm. I had had the... Or if there had been this system out back when the Beatles started and people were able right. to invest in Beatles songs back in the day, could you imagine where yep. we would be sitting now? You know, well,
4: yeah, really.
1: Monetarily, we'd be doing pretty damn good. You know? <laughs> yep. <clears throat> what do you think Yeah, of that? Yeah, that, that, that's... That's fascinating. What's that? Uh, what do you think of that as a potential business model to replace record companies?
4: Well, uh, yeah, th- that's amazing. And, and it makes total sense, particularly when you lay it out, like, like you did, like, uh, you know, it's instead of paying a right paying those things to a record company, you pay them to your fans. Uh, uh, that that that's very cool, uh, and you know, I, I I just think about accounting for all of that sounds like uh, somewhat of a nightmare, but uh,
1: well, that's the beauty. You know, who of it, is Is because the way the blockchain is operates, it operates off of smart contracts. So each one of these NFTs has a smart contract that's embedded within that nft so the owner of that nft as money is generated and as we go through these streaming platforms that are now on the same blockchain as soon as you are streamed on that streaming service it triggers these smart contracts that are attached to that song and Immediately, whoever owns the NFTs gets paid. You get paid, and it's just all automatic based on these contracts that are already embedded into the into the blockchain and attached wow, to that. Wow, that's system. cool. So that's all of cool. the accounting is transparent. You can see. You can look into any block of the blockchain. You just can't change anything in that block. You know. Right. So, you know, if yeah. you wanted to check your song and see how you can look and see how the accounting is working with these smart contracts, who's getting what, how much has been paid out, you can't change it though. It's it's now written in stone, more or less, you know? Well, it's it's Yeah, that,
4: that that's that's fascinating. I mean, to me and that uh and ingenious and uh and yeah, right on. <laughs> Let's figure
1: it out. Yeah. You know, they've... Sounds amazing. I mean, these things right now, they exist. You know, you can get your music up on Audius and it doesn't cost a dime. Uh, You can go on your phone right now and get an Audius player and and listen to music that's, you know, on this platform. Uh, So, you know, it's already out there. Um, Royal.io is a functioning system that's already out there. Uh, and it's being utilized by you know people like Nas and Jason Derillo and Katy Perry and um, Pusha uh, Pusha T and Dead Mouse and all these EDM artists. All of this is being well. utilized today. So it's already a functioning system. It just needs to kind of in- ingrate itself into the mainstream. Uh, and I think the biggest hurdle. Is the whole cryptocurrency thing, and as we move um, these platforms into real dollars and cents, it's it's going to be um, the the one ticket into mainstream.
4: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think blockchain technology. I mean, most people think that is, is synonymous with uh, cryptocurrency, but I, I don't. I don't believe that it is. I mean, it's just a different
3: right um, I mean you know
4: you a cryptocurrency can, uses blockchain but but they're not the same thing
1: right well I mean you could use dollars and cents and the back end can convert to block or to uh to cryptocurrency if need be um and the, right. the general public does not necessarily have to see that back end you know what I mean mm-hmm. you know it all yeah. can be you know the front end of it can be all you know, you pay your $10 a month or whatever it is uh, for this service and boom, you know, you're done. That's your that's your responsibility and I, and then that's all you need or whatever it may right. be. Um, but now, let, one of the things I know um, when the pandemic hit, when touring got shut down, a lot of artists started going on the internet and they started to mm-hmm. utilize content creation in social media in order to stay connected to their fans. Um, and, yeah. you know, they they started to create content like live streams on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and as the months turned into years, um, they had to get more creative in their content. Uh, they started to show their fans a more personal side of who they were um, they started to you know put up content about their hobbies things they were doing while they were on lockdown um, telling stories or you know showing their puppies babies kittens and chickens whatever it may be uh, <laughs> that they were raising in their backyards um, no. and and you know as you even with the live streams you know you got, you know, they did them from their living rooms, their bedrooms, their their porches. You know, you got to see the, you know, the plastic ficus tree that they had in the corner and, the, and you know, the, the treadmill that they used to hang their laundry on. Um, you know, all <laughs> right. of these things gave the fans a very personal connection to the artist. Uh-huh. And Absolutely. it's almost like a reality show. And it's become part mm-hmm. of the independent artist toolkit now is to create and put up authentic content that allows their fans this, this reality show kind of mentality to kind of give them a look at who you are as a person, your brand. And um, right. and my question is is, what are some of the things that you are doing that are helping you not only promote your brand, but get the word out on this new release?
4: Well, it's, yeah, it, it's been such, uh, a, an amazing uh, sort of journey and progression from, uh, the beginning of that lockdown when, yeah, certain, suddenly a year's worth of gigs vanished in a week, you know, whatever. And, uh, and we did, you know, it was probably a month or six weeks before we did the first one because, you know, we're 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 old guys. Uh, I'm I'm fairly tech savvy and all that, but still, it wasn't something that I was uh, I had to work at it just a little bit to get to, to get going on it. Uh, and and we start the first i the first one we did, and it was just Facebook Live no no ticket no nothing just ask inviting people to chip money into uh paypal or venmo uh i'm sure we made more than we would have made in that month of, of gigs you know it, 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 there were people were incredibly generous and have continued to be really we we did them pretty regularly for a while and then uh once the gigs once uh live gigs started coming back then we haven't really had time to although We've done a couple a couple this year. We did one New Year's Eve just because we didn't have any, anything else going on and, and a lot of people don't want to go out on New Year's Eve and had a great great turnout and uh, once again very generous in as far as their contributions. And when we wanted to produ- when we wanted to promote this this album, uh, you know we, uh, we wanted to raise some money for that and instead of doing a Kickstarter or something like that, we said, Oh, we're just going to do a, just going to do a live stream and whatever you guys out there feel like throwing in, uh, uh, for, uh, for we'll put toward promoting this, this album. And we more than paid for, uh, you know, the, the money that we needed to pay Adam for his work. And, uh, and it was like, amazing we're not nearly as good at it as a lot of people uh i think i think younger artists uh that you know have just grown up with uh uh the all the technology are 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 much better at it uh i love what some people do on patreon and stuff i supported i supported a number of artists uh on as far as being on their patreon stuff so i get uh you know get their exclusive content and things like that 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 people are always putting out and uh my friend Ellis paul is is just like a poster child for really doing all that stuff well i mean he just boy he just cranks it out and uh and it's really good uh so it it's sort of like the sky's the limit you know and i i i uh, I, I need to do we need to do more uh I just I, I keep myself too busy a lot of times uh with the studio and everything else to to really uh grow that part of it more but uh I'd love to uh I'd love to do more with it because it, uh, you know you're right that people want to connect they want to know uh, what what's what's the behind the scenes like what what uh What's your life like? Where do you live? I mean, <laughs> one thing that I do just, I live out, out way out in the country in this very large valley in southern Colorado, surrounded by these beautiful mountains, and uh, I post a lot of pictures of sunrises and and stuff, and and the, the most common comment when somebody comes up to meet me when we're out touring in Texas or something like say. That, that Boy, I love those sunrise pictures you post. <laughs> you know, it's like they don't even talk about the music. You know, mm-hmm. but that, that's just that's just kind of one not not very exciting uh, uh, example. But I know a lot of people. My friend Bill Hearn, who is a old time, uh, he, uh, he's kind of a New Mexican music icon. But I uh, used to live in Austin in the early days of the Austin scene, and he's got stories that just go on forever uh so many stories about so many people and that's what he does on his Patreon things, you know, he just comes up with a story to tell about uh, you know, the backstory of, of whoever, you know, and whatever and this album or that album and stuff like that. So anyway, it's cool to see. It it's a great it's great use of the technology. It's a great use just to connect. Connection. That's what we all we all crave that connection. We we want that. We want that heart, that heart thing, you know? And, and that's just a wonderful way to enhance it, for sure.
1: Cool. Now, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with cool. us. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. And um, <laughs> we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You may just want to turn it up loud and screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. All right.
3: I do the same thing every year, so the rancher said. But it's never twice the same, and I never get ahead. I was counting on the snow. Never came at all to green up that pasture I replanted in the fall. He stands at the center while the circle spins around, while the calves get born and the water runs down. The circle seems to spin, but it's still where he stands. Feeling the rhythm of the seasons pass across his leg Don't get too up about the good news, don't get too down about the bad, only the cold wind brings a tears. Only the old dog makes him sad He's watching new life in his herd Spreading out at sunset Keeps him rising in the dark To see if that heifer's ready yet He stands at the center While the circle spins around While the calves get bored And the water runs down circle seems to spin, but it's still where he stands, feeling the rhythm of the seasons pass across his land. Are looking good this year. Just might make a buck. The old tractor keeps running. And the tires hold on the cattle truck. Maybe the sandwich will get some stone. That Excelsior bits will fill. Maybe his hopes and dreams can hold on to. Maybe they always will. He stands at the center. While the circle spins around While the calves get And the water runs down The circle seems to spin But it's still where he stands Feeling the rhythm of the seasons As across cross he, he stands While the circle spins around while the casket boils and the water runs down See The, See, the circle seems to descend, spin, it, but it's still the spins we stand While the, the casket boils and we sit And the water on the, the circle spins around While the casket boils and the water on the circle spins around While the casket seems to spin and But it's still where he stands, watching winter, spring, summer and fall, pass across his land. certain of our borders, our certainties, our doubts. Without hymnals, without psalters, without prayers or psalmistry, they carry out the orders of the greatest mysteries. Coyote, criollo, chaparral and rattlesnake, wild horses, wild buffalo, blue grandma, purple sage, chinook mods and creosote, and one needs you or me, for each one holds To the greatest mystery For the rangeland knows its business What to do and how it's done Wisdom of the wilderness Is a kingdom that is come Without pity or forgiveness Bearing constant witness To the greatest mystery land moves in circles Without angles, without lines Without questions, without searching Without worrying what we'll find Requiring no rehearsals To sing its harmony To the choruses And verses of the greatest mystery For the rangeland knows its business What to do and how it's done Wisdom of the wilderness Is a kingdom that is come For forgiveness for what was, for what will be Bearing constant witness to the greatest mystery It offers constant witness to the greatest mystery
1: And interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over. And become part of the indie revolution
0: gonna drop the shade gonna scream my name make you shout now honey gonna make